What's going on, everybody? This is Jesse Rivera, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. The podcast where I sit and mostly talk to comics, but we're going to change that up in a few weeks, and you're going to start seeing a lot more than comics come on Comic Talk. So, I'd love to talk to you. Let me know if you're interested. Anyway, uh, episode 34 is going to be my very, 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 very good friend, the very funny, the very talented, the very excitable... Tina San Lucas, she goes 100 miles an hour, and I don't think it helped that I gave her some really, really good coffee. Yes, she was just, and you could hear me trying to catch up in between her breaths, and it was a lot of fun. But I mean, this is life with Tina, man. Like, if you're gonna hang out with Tina, you better have your coffee, you better have had a good night's sleep. And you better be ready to sling some jokes because she's going to throw them at you. She is tons of fun. Uh, I was on her very first Dope Room show. Uh, it was so much fun. She's had another Dope Room show since then. And she's got more Dope Room shows in the future planned. She's going to talk about that. She also has a new feature that she's doing on Instagram called Live from the Dope Room. It's a really, really cool concept. And she's only done one so far. She talks about doing some more in this episode. So we'll see where that goes. I'm sure she's going to do it very soon. The weather is what's, uh, I believe, been keeping her from doing it. Because if you haven't been to a Dope Room show, you know that the Dope Room is, well, you got to go to a Dope Room show to find out, right? So she's going to talk about the Dope Room and all sorts of cool stuff. Tina is very inspiring. She started doing comedy very recently. Before that, though, she was a photographer. She talks about just her love of art and how that love of art and how she learned to create and how to accept what she's created through photography is now carrying over into her comedy writing and her stand-up and everything that she continues to do. So, without further ado, here's episode number 34 of Comic Talk, the podcast with Ms. Tina San Lucas. Here we go. Peace. Check your microphone. Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. Check one, two. It's so funny. When I first started comedy, the most intimidating thing to me was holding the mic. And now, really? now I love the mic. Now I'm like, give me the mic. Right? Don't you feel like it's a? It's almost like a security blanket. Yeah, it is. It's like when I'm holding on to it, I feel the nerves go away as soon as I grab it. Mm, that's interesting. I'm always full of nerves until I have the mic and then the nerves kind of dissipate and then I'm up there fighting for my life. How similar is uh, the the cadency, the uh, the movements of, of onstage Tina versus uh, everyday Tina? Oh my gosh, I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, it's an act, you know. People, yeah. people ask me if I shit on my husband. I don't, um, unless I'm feeling playful that night. Uh, I might go thirty-five yeah, seconds I do. in. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I would say that uh, yeah, the energy is the same. I'm a high energy person. I move fast. I have a hard time staying still. You can see that. You know how some comedians up on stage will just stand in front of the mic. I move a lot when I'm up there. I can't sit still. It's yeah. not in me. So I would say the energy is definitely the same. But like my acts have act. You know what I mean? Like I'm not doing blow every weekend. I wish that was my life, but it's not. I like, guess I'm, <laughs> I'm going more. Yeah, the energy, like how the because it seems like you have a 
you have one speed and it's go. Yeah. It, I'm the same in real life. I am. The only time I relax, I got to be real, real high to like actually just sit on the couch and not fold laundry and not like get something done. And we don't really ever have time to be that relaxed, right? I, yeah. Like, I was last night though. I put up my Christmas tree and I got hella high and listened to an album and literally was not on my phone. Did not fold any laundry. Didn't do anything. I sat there for an hour and a half and my husband was like, you need to relax like this more. And I was like, you're right. What did, what did you listen to? Uh, I listened to Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. That with my Christmas tree and the beautiful lights. And, oh, and was I, I was going to say, but every Pink Floyd album, I love how slowly that one starts out. Yeah. And then when the voice, as soon as the that woman's voice, I don't know her name. I should know her name because the, ah, oh, you know what yeah. I'm talking about in the beginning. Oh, gosh. It gives me goosebumps. It's just so. And then at, after she does her thing it lulls back down it just takes you on a journey i love pink floyd and i get made fun of a lot from people oh you like pink floyd it's stoner music i'm like dude if you don't enjoy pink floyd like you're just not ready for them yet you're not there because I, you know i think yeah everyone goes i think everybody goes through a, a Beatles stage everyone goes through a pink floyd stage sure and I, I think i'm realizing too that everyone goes through a grateful dead stage you know what I, I will honestly admit I must not be ready for the Grateful Dead because I've never jived with them yet. I I'm the same way, but I keep hearing like people whose like music opinion I really listen to keep saying that you're gonna go through a Grateful Dead phase. So I'm preparing myself. I'm, yeah, same. I'm preparing myself for it. Like I've <laughs> grabbed a couple of Grateful Dead albums here and there. And I've listened to them and I don't not like it. And I and I I listened to one the other day and I almost filed it. And my brain is like, if the day has this and this and this in it, I think I might enjoy this record. So, yeah, um, I think it's something I can get back into. You know what? I, I have a, a, a short little story about a band that I remember when uh, Crash Into Me came out from Dave Matthews Band. Yes. It was all over the radio. I loved the song. So I went out and bought the album. I bought the CD. And in my mind at the time. What was I, the name of that CD? Oh, Do you gosh. remember? Um, it was the one before. It was purple and red, the cover. Right. Yeah, I don't remember. The, it might it might come up as I'm talking about it. Yeah, but, um, but so Crash so, Into Me. Yeah, it came out, and I love the song. I bought the album. I didn't like the album. I In my mind, it was a one-hit wonder. I didn't like the album at all, and I kind of just tossed it in the pile. And I, at the time, I was in the Air Force, and I had one of those 200-disc CD changers and a receiver. A 200-disc yeah, CD you ever, changer? Did you, ever, did you ever see those ones that hold, I don't know, maybe it was just 100. Okay. But it was like a lot. Even so. And you put them all in, and you program it, and you have to type in the name of every one, and then after that, it just spins, kind of like a jukebox or something. And I had a receiver, and you know, when you're in the military, the first thing everyone buys themselves is a nice stereo. So, right. And that Dave Matthews Band album was in there, and I had it on shuffle. And this song came on called uh, Just Friends, and I was in my living room and I wasn't smoking weed at the time because I was in the service, but I might have had a couple beers in me and I heard the song and I was like, dude, who, who's this song so fucking rad? Who sings this? And I went into the disc changer and I looked, I'm like, damn it. This is that Dave Matthews band album I've had for like 10 years. This was like 10 years after Crash Into Me came out. And I ended up falling in love with the album 10 years later. Now it's one of my favorite albums, but I don't think I was ready when I bought it. I wasn't ready to get it. And I've had friends to this day who are like, fuck Dave Matthews he sucks and I'm like he's actually really talented yeah like I wish you'd give him a chance you know um, I love the album after that before these crowded streets yes same I love that album it's I just so went through a phase of it a couple of weeks ago 
Yeah. I can listen to it from beginning to end. Dave Matthews is he's awesome. He's awesome. I've seen him live quite a few times and it's <clears> quite the show. We always have a good time. I heard it's like a spectacle. It it, it is. It That's is. That's awesome. At the time when I went it was years ago and it was when he was selling out all over and it was it was always a good time. You know? Concerts are rad. I like I love live music. I'll go to a concert anytime. That's funny. Uh I had a, a guest on just the other day and all, we we could have talked about music the whole podcast. Music is it's my life. It's the soundtrack to my life. Um, it sound, this sounds so silly, and, and, you know, it's okay. People don't understand. But, like, the reason I started smoking weed, honest to God, first time I got stoned, I might have been, like, I don't know, 13, 14, tried it with some friends, wasn't really into it. Maybe when I was about 15, I started really smoking pot, and it was because of music. I heard a song stoned at a party, and I'd be like, dude, this opened a whole other dimension to music for me. And to this day, I love nothing more than to like smoke a little weed and listen to a fucking rad album while I'm just in the house. Like my husband sometimes, he loves music too, but not the way I do. And sometimes the house is quiet and I'll get depressed if there's no noise. I'm like, we need to put music on. There yeah. needs to be constantly be sound in my home. I don't like TV too much. I don't, I could take it or leave it, but music. And you can decide the ending. Have you ever ha- woken up? This has happened to me many times. I've woken up hella depressed for no reason and been like, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to get anything done today. I'm just can't even get going and i will force myself to put on music and it'll completely change my mood oh i have a playlist just for mornings yeah oh i would like my i would like access to your morning playlist because every playlist you share with me is dope oh thank you yeah Yeah. i have a playlist just for just for mornings to that it's got silly songs on it but all the songs are are happy upbeat energetic yeah and they get me going yeah i have i have a playlist called yip yip that's what I call it. Yep, yep. It's just good shit. It makes me feel it. Uh, all my yep, yep songs are songs that are like, you're going to feel good if you if you listen to this. And as we get older, especially being female, because, you know, like, God, being a female is so hard. We're so emotional. We're fucking all over the map. We're crazy. We're crazy. You guys know this, but we really, truly are. And um, the right music will set the tone of the day, take you out of, like, I don't know. The depths of hell, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get into the, the uh, I catch myself during this time of year, and I think I've shared it with you. I've catch myself at this time of year uh, wanting to listen to depressing music. I'm addicted to sad songs. I've shared that with a friend. I, I, my problem is I like sad things. I like to dwell in the sadness. There's a song by Nirvana. I can't tell you the name of the song, but he says, um, I find comfort in being sad is one of the lines. And I... Sad is comfortable for me because I felt like since I was little, I was born into kind of a sad world and everything was very sad for me growing up. Sad, sad, sad. It was just that was the kind of the theme of my life for some weird reason, like tragic and sad. And so now I have been very blessed to live this beautiful life with my husband and my kid. And um, we live in a good neighborhood. We're just so blessed, you know, and I know it on a daily. I know how bad it can be because of where I came from. But um I am still attracted to the sadness because it's like what I know. It's like where I'm most comfortable. So when I am depressed, I really have to dig deep and be like, bitch, you better get up and put on some outcast and get going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I can easily like put on, um, you know, uh, let me think of some good sad shit. I love to listen to Like I really like Elliot Smith and okay. he's sad as fuck, man. Like he, he just like, that's like, you know, that's the song. I don't know. Just sadness. And, and I'm the same. I'm really attracted to it. I have to tell myself, like, take a break from the sadness. Even Lewis will be like, God, some of the music you listen to is so depressing. And I'm like, if I was a singer or a writer and I wrote songs, all I would write is sad songs. 
and they're good. They're good. So what's the, what, uh, what do you think influenced you most to want to get up on stage? If it like, cause music seems to be what really drives you. It, it is. Um, but I mean, I music drives me, but I'm like not a musician at all. Like uh-huh. if you give me an instrument, like I will fuck it up. And if I sing, I'll break the windows and you'll be like, shut up. So I, music does inspire me, but with comedy, I've always kind of been a performer. Like when I was little, little from the moment I was like at the dinner table, I would say dumb shit to my family and be like, okay, we're on the Tina show. Let's do this. And I'd be directing the family. You know, there was four kids and my mom and dad and, and I would wiggle around and fall out of my chair and my parents would laugh and be like, God, you're, you always got to be the center of attention. You always, you know, look at me. Like my parents would have friends come over and I'd be like, I'm going to do a show in the living room, you know, like five years old and do a dance and be like telling my brothers and sisters what to do, like producing it and directing it. And, um, but with comedy, um, my dad had this killer vinyl collection. I mean, God, I'm so sad. Like it's not in our life anymore. Cause he had so much comedy, Cheech and Chong, um, Steve Martin, uh, Eddie Murphy, um, Richard Pryor. And so when I was seven years old, I remember this clear as day. I remember I was wearing a blue shirt too, but I was seven years old and, um, my dad was playing Richard, a Richard Pryor album. And this was before you filtered what your seven-year-old was listening to, you know? And I, um, I watched my dad laugh so hard, just belly over in laughter. I mean, he was slapping his knee. He was cracking up. And it made me so happy to see him so happy, you know? And I said, Daddy, I want to be a comedian. And um, my dad laughed at me and said, oh, comedy's a man's job. And like <laughs> shut me the fuck down well, yeah I think, and it, it, you okay. know and i think it had to do with and to be honest later on in life my dad was never really that guy honestly he was always pretty supportive when things were good between us and you know but he said that and i think at the time there just wasn't a lot of strong female comedians like yeah, there are and I, now and i think more of the time he's more like protecting you like no you don't yeah. want this life uh, yeah there you go like because yeah. i'm listening to richard Pryor going i i want this you know yeah and um, so it kind of crushed my soul, but I was still obsessed with comedy since then. Always obsessed with being funny, always attracted to the funny kid at school. Whoever was the most funny, I wanted to be their friend because they were having the most fun. Whoever was laughing was having the most fun. And so as life went on, when I was in the Air Force, I was obsessed with comedy. You watch it all the time. And I always wanted to do it, but I just... I just, again, I just don't think I was ready. I don't think I had the confidence to not really give a fuck what people thought. And I think you really need that as a comedian. You can't really care too much what people think. You can't because it'll kill you inside. You know, like you care what the audience thinks to a certain extent, meaning like you want them to laugh. But if they don't, you got to be able to dust your shoulders off and keep moving. Because the next, the next, um, venue you perform at or the next set you do the co- the audience might love you so and you the exact like the same set exact same set just a total different thing so my 40th birthday was this past march um me and like my best eight girlfriends one all went down to san diego we rented this huge mansion we fucking partied our asses off it was fantastic and i did my first open mic and i had worked on the set for about three months and i actually had I didn't know anything about timing and how much time they give you. I thought they just let you go up there and do whatever. I didn't know really. And I had a, I had a seven minute set and and some of it that I'm doing now is part of it. I would say about 60% of my set now was part of my first set. I've dropped some jokes since then, but, um, I did an open mic and I, and I killed, I did great. I did the best at the open mic. I was really shocked. 
And then I, that same night, someone looked on their phone and they're like, there's another one. So I did like a double feature my first night ever. Really? Yeah, it was super fun. I did two open mics. They both went well. And then all my friends were like, are you going to keep doing it when you get back? I was like, I don't know. You weren't, you weren't hooked instantly. I was, but I still just didn't have the balls to know if I was going to continue. Then we came to SAC. I came back home to SAC (laughs) and two weeks later I was at SAC comedy spot and I did my first set in SAC. And I did very well. Skip Bacon. She's so rad. I'll, I love her forever because she forced me to go out. She's the best. I know. She so really encouraging. Is. She is. She's, she, I, I adore her so much. I'm always happy when I see her. And um, she convinced me to do a set, and I did, and it went well. And then after that, I, now I'm just in it. I have friends, and it helps. Like Once you have friends, you're in it, and you're, you know what I mean? Now I'm in it. I'm in it. I can't. If I dropped out now, everyone would be like, all my friends would be like, we haven't seen you in a while. Where the fuck you been? You know what I mean? I... I I think about like the thought of quitting goes through my head but it just goes right through my head. Yeah. Like it makes me feel sick if I really think about quitting my stomach hurts and I go, "Oh my god, no." Like I can't like I can't quit, you know what I mean? I can't. I have thought about it just I don't know random times like I get busy with my family and five nights before I know it I'll blink my eyes and five nights will pass without me being up on stage and I'll notice I'm getting antsy. Mhm. And I'm getting anxious. And I and even my husband's like, you need to go to a mic. Like, you need to get the fuck out of here. And like, you, you need, yeah, to, you go, need go to go take your medicine. Yeah, exactly. Straight yeah. up. And then I do. And when I have a good set, I come home and he's so sweet. As soon as I walk in, how did it go? And I'm like, oh, my God, I killed or or I'm like, oh, it wasn't that good. But it's all right. I have another one tomorrow or whatever. You know, he's very encouraging. And I'm at a point now where like the bad sets. You know, and maybe I just haven't had the extremely bad one, but they don't get me the way they did the first two or three months. The bad sets used to just really convince, like, I don't know, like, really used to make it hard for me to, to keep going forward. I don't, They were really frustrating. But now I see the bad sets as, like, opportunities to, like, pick them apart and see, like, even if it's just a word you change or, like, uh, a, a a pitch or a cadence that you change you you know you look because like i listen to those sets over and over right and uh the bad sets are just bad sets i mean they're we're gonna have i think yeah. we're gonna have more than you know oh yeah they and make the good sets so much more special they do. they do my favorite thing after a bad set is the next set whatever that is if it's the next night the next week whenever the next set is my favorite <clears throat> thing is always the set after the bad set because i've yet to have two really bad ones in a row usually after a bad one it's like you want to redeem yourself yeah so you're like all right where's the next one and how are we going to make this fucking roll you know and yep. and it works out good um i don't fear the bad sets as much as i used to i used to get so scared and now i'm like you get what you get and you don't throw a fit we'll see how this goes you know yep. and it's it, for me it's all about managing the pregame jitters yeah the, absolutely the pregame for me jitters too. are very uh it, 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 there's a lot going on inside of me before a set <laughs> yeah the the more yeah every every new set is like there's more going on and I, i'm trying to do i'm trying to like do less and conserve my energy yeah and then but then also like kind of get there early and fill out the room and and look for little pockets of energy that are scattered throughout the room and yeah. think how I'm going to tap into each one of those. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And then here's a funny thing I just thought of right now, like when you're saying tap, you know, pockets of energy in the room. Have you ever had, and this has only happened to me twice now, and I'm wondering if I'll, it'll, if I'll ever get like the superpowers where it won't affect me, but have you ever had someone like right in the front who like 
the moment you get on stage, you can tell they don't like you. It's just an energy, like the moment you're like, boom, like that bitch ain't going to laugh. She is not here for me, you know? And that's happened to me a couple times where I've been psyched out by somebody right in the front who just Did you, ever have, you ever look down and see somebody checking their phone? Oh yeah. Straight up. You're like, okay, I'm not funny. Um, yeah, but the best is when you look down. You know what the best? Oh, you know what the best is? And, and What's that? And not that I, I never, ever play for the back of the room. I don't ever perform for comics. I really don't. In my heart, I just perform for the laughs, for the people in the front. But it's so fucking rad. And maybe I'm new, and so that's why like I kind of like I'm stoked on it. But when I see a comic I like a lot, like I like their work and I admire them, and they're laughing at me. Uh huh. It makes me feel really good because I'm like, because it's hard to make comics laugh. You know, we go to open mics and sometimes I'm watching a set that's actually good, but I'm not even laughing. I'm not laughing because I'm so intent on studying it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not laughing not because they're not funny. I just have a straight face or whatever. So it's really nice when I see somebody laughing. Yeah. You know, and like on Johnny Taylor's podcast, he had mentioned I featured for him a few weeks ago at this show we did out in Carmichael. And I remember like delivering the joke and I like, you know, I move around the stage and I see him right here and he was laughing so hard. And I was like, that's okay. I'm fucking funny. Johnny Taylor's <laughs> laughing at me like this is some funny shit. So it felt good, you know. Yeah. Um, just when you see your friends laughing at your jokes. I don't know why. I think it's rad. So. Yeah. I, I really. Yeah. It's. Uh, you're right. Just. It's so much fun. And it I, is. Can you believe? So you only started in March. Like you're not even a year in. I'm eight months. Eight, eight months. months. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, okay. Oh, like I want to say things, but I don't want anyone to misconstrue them. I knew I'd be good at this. And I don't mean when I say that, that doesn't mean anyone else is not good at like this. Like you knew you'd love it. I, I knew I'd love it, but I knew I wouldn't be bad. I knew uh-huh. because I'm the funniest one of all my friends. When me and my girlfriends get together, I'm cracking the jokes and they're laughing. Now, that doesn't mean every joke I say is funny. And I'm not saying I'm phenomenally good. I'm just saying I knew I wouldn't suck. I knew Mm -hmm. that. And I don't think that I suck. I mean, I have sucky moments. We all do. But in general, I knew I would come in not that bad at this. And one of the reasons I knew that is because I was a bartender for like 20 years and being a bartender, you're on stage. You're, you're, it's your show back there. You know what I mean? And so I'm not afraid to talk in front of people. And, um, and for the most part, when you're bartender, you're cracking jokes, people are drinking and it's good time. So I definitely had the confidence to deliver on stage, but what I didn't know would be hard would be, the, 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 the most challenging thing for me as a comedian is to go up there with my jokes that for the most part, I know they're funny because they do hit, but to read the audience, I'm not a good audience reader. Obviously, if the audience is small, you can read that easily and go, you're not going to get a lot of laughs. But even when the audience is big, I, I have a hard time going, this joke is not going to go good for this audience. This joke, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that yet. Maybe that will come with time. I also don't have enough jokes to really like pull a bunch of shit out of my arsenal. It's like, yeah. this is what I have, you know, <laughs> you but get what you get. get, you get what you get and you don't throw fit, you know, but so that's really where I'm learning the craft of this and understanding reading a room. I, and I'm, like I said, I'm really still not good at that, but, um, I, I kind of knew coming into comedy that once I got my footing once I got in the scene a little bit made some friends and got my footing that I wouldn't be horrible but Mm -hmm. I I mean I didn't think I'd be the best but I just knew I wouldn't be horrible because I kind of already have this very social upbeat like 
look at me attitude yeah. and that's what we all have the well, comedians well, we all up there look at me look at me be funny you know what i mean and so. john and johnny mentioned in this podcast he said that everybody's got it in them you just gotta you just gotta put the work into it yeah you gotta put the work into it and it, it's a lot of work it's a lot of work i i have dreams about what i dream about comedy now that just started in the last like two or three months i have these really fucking weird dreams where i'm at a show i don't know anyone at the show like there's other comics there that I don't know. So I don't have anyone to really lean on. And then I get up on stage and like, I just freeze. I just freeze and words will not come out of my mouth. And I'm literally bombing. Cause I'm not saying a thing. It's almost like my vocal cords are broken or something. And I'm like dying inside. And then I wake up and I'm like, Oh, comedy nightmare. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, how much I'm thinking about it is that now I'm dreaming about it, you know, but I've, uh, I've dreamt of comedy a couple of times here recently myself too. And it's, um, but I think like in my dream, it's that um, I'm at a show and I don't know when I'm supposed to go up and I can't find like the the list of comics, the, like the order. And I'm just there and I, and I don't know when I'm going up and it's 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 nerve wracking. It's kind of like a dream I used to have about high school about not knowing what class I was supposed to go to because I would cut class so often. Yeah. You're like, are we where, where are we now? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I'm that same way. I'm very um, methodical when I arrive to a place I've never been and I'm going to perform like tomorrow, I have a show in San Francisco for Mars birthday show. I've never been there. I, I know the address. I always get really early. I have to be early or I'll stress out. Like if the show starts at six, I, I will be in the area at five. Yeah. Very close to the venue. I'll stop for a coffee, whatever. Like I don't want to stress about time. I don't stress about anything. Cause once the anxiety goes up for any reason, not even comedy, it's hard it's for hard me to, bring to get it down, it down yeah. to get ready for, for work, you know? Yeah. So I really have to. And then when I do get into a venue, I want to see the set list. I want to take a picture of it. If I don't know who everyone is, let's say the name before me on the list is Jesse Rivera and I don't know you. I want to go see who you are. So I know what you look like. So when I see that person on stage, I can go, I'm after him. I'm right. after the guy in the blue shirt. You know, I, I'm very like, I have these little things that I have to check off before I can actually sit and go, okay, I can chill until it's my turn. But, um, I, and I'm also kind of a perfectionist in the aspect of just, I like to know what's going on. So, you know, in relation to your, uh, uh, attention to detail and your your, you your obsession with with detail uh how daunting and nerve-wracking and exciting is it to put together your uh, dope room shows um i love it i love the dope room it's my favorite place um what how did the dope room start the dope room wasn't always going to be a comedy room was it always no, going to be a comedy room no. was it going to be a place to chill it was just a in my backyard, my patio, my backyard. We've been working on the yard for a while, and I really like love an outdoor space. I love Sacramento because in the summer and the spring, and even the fall, like for the most part, eight months out of the year, the weather here is real nice. You know, it's only cold for a good three half months. Oh yeah, it's sixty degrees. It's freezing up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we did the patio and it looked great. And then uh, when I started calling you, people were like, "You should do a mic, Tina. You're real friendly. You're real bubbly." I had three or four people tell me that, and I was like. Dude, I don't want to, I've worked in restaurants for so many years. I don't want to deal with that, like getting people to a spot and then that place putting pressure on me. Well, are they going to spend money when they're yep. here? Are we, I just, I couldn't even go there. And so I said to Lewis, I want to do a show in the yard. And he was like, yeah, do it. My husband's so great, you know? Yeah, so he's great. He, he's just, he's the best guy. And um, so I put the show together and it went well. And then I decided this is going to be a thing. That And the what the name of the dope room is, Everybody who would come back there would be like, this, this is so dope. This is so dope. 
and when they would say this is dope uh, that's what i was like well then it's the dope room and some people are like is it the dope room because like as in drugs or as in rad and i'm like it's dope as in rad Unless you got good drugs. No, I'm teasing and I don't do drugs. So you've, uh, ha- you've had two Dope Room shows so far, I right? have. And my next one, I'm going to wait till it warms up. So February 1st. Nice. And um, Melissa McGillicuddy's headlining that. Oh, I was going to say, do you want to say who you yeah. got already? Yeah, Melissa McGillicuddy's headlining that. She got voted uh, Best uh, Comedian in Sacramento. So as soon as I saw that, I reached out to her. And she, she, she was so sweet. She reached out to me. Before that was announced and said, I'd love to be on a show. And then when I saw that was announced, I was like, dude, she should headline the dope room. And I have Emma Haney is going to be there. And um, Marcus Mangum is going to be there. And gosh, I can't think of who else. Um, Ruby Setnick and uh, Marion Masavi. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, I it's can't gonna be, wait. It's going to be dope. It's going to be dope in the dope room. So I'm excited. Um, but before then, too, uh, instead of a podcast, I'm trying this, and I've only had one. I have another one coming up here soon. I'm trying to do a live Instagram TV show in the dope room. I, I watched your first one, mm-hmm. even with the little technical glitches that you had. I, I wasn't I, I didn't understand what you were trying to do after, like when you're, when you're talking about it, and I was like, well, I'm for sure going to watch it, and I watched it. And I totally get it. I, I get I get what you're trying to do. So go ahead and talk about what you're trying to do with it. So um, what's it called and what do you do? It's called Live in the Dope Room. And it's going to be Monday nights at 9 p.m. Every Monday night at 9 p.m. And um, so what it is is we'll both have our phones. I log into Instagram Live. I invite her over. I didn't know my... Uh, mm, the way I wanted to do it, my outline, until I did the first one with Lindy. And Lindy was so patient and great. So for the first 15 minutes, we'll be on separate screens. Her on the bottom screen, me on the top, I'll interview her. Then for the next 45 minutes, she's going to come sit by me, and then we're going to take calls from the viewers. And then the calls will be on the bottom. And me and her will be on top. So basically, when I have someone come, they're going to be my co-host. Come in. And what's cool is the guests can come in from home. They don't even need to come to the dope room. They can find a place to sit and log on with their phone, and it'll be a live interview. And what made me want to do this the most is we all have goals, right? And I have uh, my ultimate dream with comedy is I want to be on TV. I want a TV show. I want to be on TV, and I want to be the host of the show. I think I'd be great at it. And but I don't have a lot of camera time. When I lived in LA, I took a hosting class, like it was six weeks long, and they would record your little um, thing that you would perform, and then you'd watch it, and you'd watch yourself. But I only did it for six weeks. But right now, I'm getting a lot of stage, not a lot of stage time, but you know what I mean. I'm getting stage time, but I'm not getting camera time. And for me to be on TV, I gotta, I gotta get my face on a camera. I gotta, and I realized some silly things. My first one, I blink the fuck out of, I blink like I look ridiculous I'm so (laughs) blinky but you don't know that till you see yourself on camera so part of this live show for me is to start my camera time now because if my goal is let's say 10 15 to take control of it yourself yeah and to be 10 15 years in 15 years from now let's say I get picked up by a show and I audition for something and I and I land it I'm not gonna have to learn this starting in 15 years I'm gonna be like I've been on camera at least once a week for an hour for the last 15 years to actually like understand movement, watch myself. You know how like when we watch a video or we listen to our our comedy after we record it, we go, "Oh, it's better if I say that quieter, or it's better if I yell that yeah. part, or you know, if so I act this out." Yeah, or, yeah. Or, and so that was the whole premise of d- live in the dope room was I wanted to do a podcast, 
but I was I was like I want to do something a little bit different than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. That's really what it is. And it's more catered to what your ultimate goal yeah. is. Yeah. So my yeah. like I would just love like when I watch like Jimmy Kimmel, like I love his show. Like I want to be Jimmy Kimmel. I want to be right there. I want to interview people. You know, some people you're going to have chemistry with, some people you're not. But like I just think that would be so great. I would love that in my older age. I would love to be an older woman like 55 even 60. Like dressed up looking great on that show and coming out and interviewing people and talking. I just think that would be just grand. I would fucking love that. You know, um, I really got inspired by the whole just do it yourself thing yeah. uh, about maybe about, I don't know, maybe it was four or five years ago when I fell in love with broad city and broad City's great. <laughs> I, lo- <laughs> I love the TV show broad city. Shout out to one of my best friends, Jerry, because she told me for months, you need to watch this show. You need to watch this show. It's really great. And I finally watched one episode and I watched 30 episodes. Like I went from not knowing a thing about Broad City to like, I just binged two seasons. When does yeah. the next season come out? It's great. And I I was reading about these, these girls and I found out that they went to improv school. They couldn't make the the house teams at the improv school that they went to. So then they were just like, fuck it. Let's just do our own YouTube channel. Yeah. And they just started putting up their own content that they filmed on their own. You can still find this stuff on YouTube. Do it yourself stuff. And caught the attention of somebody. And never. And because they did it themselves, it was like so much of it. Like they didn't have to really rebrand themselves or, or, or become a commodity to somebody else. Like they just did it their way. And Yeah. it's. It, I think that's part of being a creator you know because i'm a my day job is i'm a photographer and i create and um and comedy you create and the thing about being a creator is the freedom to really create whatever the fuck you want you know what i mean whatever the fuck you want to create and we don't need and, and i think artists get tricked we all do we all get tricked in if you're not making a lot of money you're not successful right we get tricked into that but that's a fucking lie that like it's a lie because my best currency that I've ever been paid for anything is the love I have for the work. When I have a photograph, I have a couple photographs that are huge winners. I have this one picture called Mama Warrior and it's this woman like nursing her baby and there's a dream catcher behind her and it's so styled, so rad. I styled it all myself. It's natural light. I mean, it's just such a beautiful image. It's blown up big in my house. I love it so much. And um, that was a shoot I did for um, a friend and it's my most proud one. You know what I mean? And I, I don't rem- I might have even done that shoot for her for free. I don't remember because it was just a creative mindset of us together and collaborating. But, you know, it doesn't we get tricked into thinking like if, um, you know, a primetime station doesn't pick us up, pick up our show like Broad City, then we'll f- then we aren't making it where it's like just create the work, create the work, just create it. The universe will take it where it needs to go. Just create it. The more I just create something for the sake of create this live in the dope room thing, it's not going extremely well. Okay. (laughs) It was the first one. I have a lot of technical difficulties to work through it, but if I keep working through it, it's only going to get better, you know? And then eventually maybe five, six, you're 30 episodes into this, Jesse, like your podcasts have consistently grown and gotten better. You've gotten more relaxed as a person who's interviewing someone else. You know, you got your setup, you know, I think it's real smart to bring someone here early and chat with them a little bit before you put the headphones on and give them the mic. Even though me and you are friends, we're really comfortable. But if you meet someone maybe you're not tight with, I didn't do that. 
Lindy was phenomenal. She was my first guest. Gosh, she had so much patience. Lindy West, she's just such a doll. I love her so much. Um, but as soon as she came in, I was like, all right, mic up. It's 9 o'clock. I should have said start at 8. And we had have coffee. Have a cup of coffee. And, and just kind of let it yep. loosen up, you know? And I so I like that you're doing that. So my point being is you're creating it. Create the podcast. You know that movie with, the, oh, my God, Kevin Costner? Feel the dreams. <laughs> Build it and they will come, right? Yes, I know just, that movie. Just create it. And you know what? If you create something and it doesn't make a million bucks, you still created it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how many artists have painted paintings just for themselves that are hanging in their house that they love that maybe no one's ever seen? It's okay. You know, we don't always need the validation of the world to convince us that it's good. It's good if we think it's good. I have mm-hmm. a lot of images that I think are fucking rad that other people would be like, that's dumb or that was easy to do or whatever. But I'm like, dude, I love it. So same with my comedy. Not everyone's going to get it. And you know what? That's okay. You don't have to get it. I get it. And I think it's funny. And I'm proud of it. I'm not, I don't walk around with my head in shame. And my set's gnarly. And I don't give a shit. Like, it's mine. And I've created it. And I I hold it like a little precious baby. You know what I mean? It's mine. And And I think that if more artists detach themselves from the idea that their art is only worth something if someone is paying them dollars or if it's got 3,000 hits or 5 million likes, we need to detach our work from that idea. If you do, it, and that's part of mastering being an artist, and, I, and I'm not sitting here preaching. Believe me, I have insecure moments all the time but the more i detach myself from what the outcome's going to be the better the results i get and it's a it's a fucking hard thing to master pot helps a lot for me but it's hard it's hard to detach yourself from the end result who cares about the end result Just yeah but and, make the art and with you you've been doing that since you were a photographer yeah right yes yes so you're, you're bringing that experience as an artist into now being a comic and now being a show producer yeah and it's just I, I, I give it to the wind a lot, even with the dope room. The first show I had, I was like kind of under pressure. And then, and then there was a few glitches in the show. And instead of being like, oh, fuck, and freaking out, just going, all right, well. Nobody remembers. Yeah. Nobody, nobody talks about the glitches. They I don't even, I didn't even realize you, you had per se glitches in the show because no yeah. one has uh, anything anyone says about the dope room shows is when's the next one. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> that, I know, they're really fun. And that I'm, was like, when's the next one? They're, they're so much fun. And, I, and I'm sure that you're going to work out the glitches of your live interview show. Yeah. That, and it's going to be the same thing. I hope so. The, the Dope Room is a place. What it is, is it's a place that has a really good vibe and you can be yourself there. Yeah. You can come to the Dope Room and be yourself. If, if yourself is a guest and you want to sit and you want to eat something and have a drink, you could do that. If you are there as a comic, you're going to come. You're going to do your set. I want to treat my comics well. I want them to be comfortable. I want them to have something to eat, something to drink. Enjoy yourself. This is supposed to be fun. You know, not a lot of pressure. And um, and I just, I, I'm really into lighting, you know, because I was a photographer for years. And I, I just, I love the way it's designed. I'm really, I, I love, everything I touch, I'm very, I, take a lot of pride in so even the way I've decorated it back there and the lighting and the way it feels I want it to be an energy when people leave yeah I want them to say it was a great 
comedy show and everybody made me laugh and all the comics who've been on the dope room have all been fucking rad and the crowds were all laughing but more than anything i want everybody to leave guests and comics and go i would definitely go back that was fun yeah that was a fun night you know and i'm all about the magic and whatever i can do to make something a little more magical that's why i love this skeleton this glitter skeleton he's the magic <laughs> so when's the next dope room show again february 1st february 1st february 1st i'm yes. excited about that i can't me too. i can't wait i can't wait it's gonna be really great and laura bellini will be your next guest she'll be my next guest which is supposed to be this monday and oh, um, i'll probably it'll be in the past yeah it'll be in the past so it was i don't even know the date don't worry you know about it. but you know it's a uh, uh so you talked about that first um uh uh Lindy West was your first guest. Uh-huh. And she's and, awesome. But I think it's great that you're collaborating with people who are just as creative as you. Uh, Laura Bellini is so much fun. Such a, She was on the podcast. Yeah. And she's a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, I'm sure she's going to keep things interesting for you. Yeah. Lindy did great. She, like, she was so patient and just, like, when we first started, our voices were, like, our mics were picking each other up. It was so bad. It just no. I and, remember. And I remember. Johnny Taylor was, was like, "Tina, you sound like you sounded like Satan. Your voice sounded like <laughs> satanic." But she just kept rolling with it, and she was so patient, and she just had an energy. And I gave her like, and you know, people who understand the dynamic of come be on my show. You know, she left. I gave her a little swag bag. She took a picture of the swag. She posted it on Instagram. It's all about like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You know, like that's how this works. And she just um, was such a doll. And like, I would love to have her back because like once all the glitches are done, I feel like I'm going to give her, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm 10 deep. We're bringing it back Lindy. Oh, so I, we can I have feel that. I feel that way about like the first five or six episodes yeah, that I recorded of yeah. this, like uh, the, the Ed Mena episode, the Jackie Pearl episode, the, the Miriam Musabi episode, like I definitely want to have all of those people back because I figured out a lot of my dude. Is that the ice cream man? That's the ice cream man. Fuck the- yeah! Oh my god, the ice cream man comes to Jesse's neighborhood. No, I get guys. the corn guy too. <gasps> oh my god, I love the corn guy. The corn guy comes by too, but I don't know about this weather, but he might. But you'll hear him. Yeah, the yeah. Mo- Molita is that what they call the corn? No, what is Molita? No, Molita. What do no. they call the corn? The corn with the man. Elote. Elote. I'm sorry. Elote. The what elotero. is Molita? What did I say? What a is Molita's that? Molita's like a, a taco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chandos. Yeah, Chandos has it. That's Chandos, yeah. Yeah, with the beef and the cheese. It's like a quesadilla. They're delicious. Um, But I I also wanted to do overs with my first episodes because I had a lot of glitches to work out, too. Well, I mean, and you just learn as you go, you know, and it's nice to have people who are patient. Yeah. You know, and who are like, yeah, it's all good. Just like, And and I, I appreciate all the people that have helped been a part of the process. And you, Tina, have been nothing but uh, uh, a great, a great friend the whole time. I, I, I love you. I think you're a great guy. You're and funny. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of our, our comedy journey to see where it takes us. Hell yeah. It's it, and it's taken us. It's there. Like I. I, I appreciate your friendship. You're, you, you are one of the hardest working comedians. You are. You're always working. You're doing your podcast. You're staying dedicated. And that's what it is. It's about consistency. And you consistently are there doing it and moving. And, you know, you're just checking <laughs> all the boxes. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, th- thanks. Thanks for everything. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It was super fun. This coffee was killer and I had a great time. You're rad, Jesse. Thank you. You're rad too, Tina. Thanks. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, man. That's the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you laughed a little bit. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope you come back. Peace. Take care of one another.